Today's podcast session is supported by Uphill. So if you ask a therapist who's doing clinical work what the bane of their existence is, usually progress notes are in the top one to two. I'm not naming any names, but when I was doing clinical work, I remember I had several colleagues who would get so backed up on clinical notes, so they would end up spending their nights and weekends trying just to catch up. Honestly, who wants to do that? And this is where Appeal comes in. Appeal is AI-powered case notes. Now, I know for many of us, when we hear the word AI, we're, there's like a natural skepticism. And honestly, I had that skepticism as well until I got to meet with the Appeal team and learn about some of the many ways that they are doing this in a way that is HIPAA compliant and also doesn't sell data to anyone and also protects our clients as well. You can learn more about Uphill and the awesome work that they're doing in the world uh, by going to sellingthecouch.com forward slash Uphill. And Uphill is uh, spelled U-P and then H-E-A-L, all one word. And at checkout, be sure to enter the promo code COUCH25, C-O-U-C-H, and the number 25 to get 25% off your Uphill plan for the first two months. Hey friends, we are on sabbatical from the STC podcast. This is my first sabbatical in seven years, but we will be back in April with brand new episodes of the STC podcast. In the meantime, there are a lot of things happening still with STC. Uh, among them is a brand new workshop that we put together for you that you can sign up at a date and time that works for you. If you are a successful private practitioner and interested in launching an online course, you can check out that workshop over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash online course workshop. Again, that's sellingthecouch.com forward slash online course workshop. Hello, hello. Welcome to session 248 of Selling the Couch. Hope you are doing well and hope that you had a wonderful 4th of July holiday I feel like I'm really hoping we never have to experience anything like this ever again, but I hope that there was some normalcy to your 4th of July, and we actually kept it pretty low-key. We were supposed to move from yellow phase to green phase in the city of Philadelphia, but we had a slight uptick in COVID cases, and so the city which I think is definitely the right decision, uh, decided to slow things down. So it's looking like we're probably not going to grow to green phase for at least another month. But wherever you are, I hope that you're doing well. I know that folks listening in various parts of the country, these rates are all over the place. And so I hope you and your loved ones and your businesses are doing okay in the face of this pandemic. Today's podcast session is actually all about podcast monetization. So how do you actually create income from your podcast? I've learned a ton of lessons, but I'm actually not going to be the one that's on this as the guest. That would be weird. I'm guest interviewing myself. <laughs> but my guest today is Christy Hausler from Team Podcast. If you recognize Christy's name, uh, Christy is actually my podcast editor, and Christy and I have worked together since 2015, shortly after I launched the SDC podcast, because I just got to a point where I realized 
I needed some help with editing. I didn't want to spend my time editing a podcast when I could really spend it on other stuff that I really enjoyed, creating new content, creating paid products and services and all of those different things. Christy's that person behind the scenes who makes the podcast, edits the podcast, uploads it. She and her team are the main reasons why this podcast continues to go out week after week because if I left this, if I were to do this on my own, there's no way. I think I would do it, but I'd probably be really stressed out. But I wanted to have Christy on and she'll share this on the conversation. But Christy's podcast editing service actually started the same time that I started STC back in 2015. And currently she edits somewhere around 60 different podcasts and around 300 different episodes per month. And so she has a really interesting and a unique perspective on what people are doing in terms of creating income through podcasting. And she's here to share some of those insights with us. I wanted to invite you to download the free online course guide if you are thinking about launching an online course and just want some things that have been helpful uh, for me and some of the tough lessons that I learned along the way. You can again download that over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash online course guide. And as I mentioned right at the beginning, we're actually starting a live cohort called Online Core School. This is a great opportunity to join with other therapists to validate and launch and record your online course. The best way to find out about this and to keep updated when the core launches is to download, again, the online course guide over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash online course guide. So we'll jump right. I thought I was recording the outro, apparently, but apparently not. But we'll get right to today's podcast session. Here's my conversation with Christy Hausler from teampodcast.com. Hey, Christy, welcome to Selling the Couch. Hey, Melvin, thanks for having me. My gosh, I was telling you this before we got started, but I can honestly say that Selling the Couch would not exist were it not for you. I shared this at the beginning before we even turn on the recording. But I remember, I guess this was probably 12 or 13 episodes in. At that point, I was doing everything for this podcast, editing it as bad as I knew I did. <laughs> Maybe over-editing? You never yeah. know. <laughs> oh, yeah. I definitely did a lot of over-editing, a lot of you know taking out ums and you knows yep. and all of that kind of stuff. And doing everything, the show notes, the graphics. And what I just realized is I got to a point where it was taking a toll on my mental health, one. And then two, I felt like I couldn't focus on the real income and revenue generating activities and the visions that I had for STC if I didn't outsource some of this, right? So I wanted to say before we get started, how grateful I am for you and and for our friendship. Oh, well, thank you. I was just looking before we even got on here and I had realized that you, whenever we, we started about the same time and I was just opened my business team podcast and you were my fifth client. So thank you for trusting me from the beginning. And we kind of had to go through our business evolution on the same track. So it's good to see after what, five, six years now, we're still here and growing. So it's amazing journey. Absolutely. That is cool. That's I forgot that aspect that how overlapped like our business journeys are. Yeah, absolutely. As you mentioned, Team Podcast has grown. And I think one of the things that I was most excited just to talk to you about is podcast monetization. So right now you shared with me, you are editing around 60 different podcasts 
somewhere around 300 episodes a month. Yes. Various podcasts, right? Yeah. And it, luckily it's not just me. It's, I have a team, so I could never do that many a month. I would be, <laughs> boy, could you imagine? Oh my gosh, you'd be going crazy trying to edit that many shows a month by yourself. But you would never sleep. I know. I know. You would be completely bugged out on coffee and everything else. So, <laughs> but I have a team. And like you say, like we're, you know, we provide the support for you so that you can pursue other, you know, revenue generating ventures in your business. And I do the same thing. Like I surround myself with my team. So the bulk of the hard work gets done by them. I just get to do the fun stuff. (laughs) Yeah. Podcast interviews. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Talking to clients. Yes. It's fun. No, absolutely. I mean, yeah. Side note, I think this is probably one of the biggest lessons I've learned these past five years as well, which is the importance of a team, you know, and I think especially for, I feel like for healthcare professionals, for mental health professionals, like I feel like one of the things that, at least for me, I've really struggled with is I, I was like, you know, I, I did all of this grad school and all of this training and I started a business and that means I have to do everything for it. And yeah, I think we all get to a point where we realize, oh gosh, this is taking too much of a toll on my health. It's, this is stuff that I don't particularly enjoy. <laughs> Yeah, you know, and and it's also, you know, let's just face it, we all have our own baggage about money, you know, and so whenever we have the, you know, you go into business with money blocks, many times you have to go on your own personal journey of challenging yourself on those and saying, I need to outsource this or I need to pass this off or delegate it because it's not the highest use of my time, but it is going to cost me money, <laughs> you know, and that's the, that is scary. But the more you challenge and push those boundaries, I think the more the blocks you have to money and the, the sort of the internal beliefs you have about that kind of do dissipate and they just become, you become used to dealing with bigger numbers or bigger responsibilities or bigger payroll or, you know, that sort of thing. Yeah, no, absolutely. I remember uh, one of the early conversations I had with with Susan, my wife, and when we were actually thinking about, I was thinking about outsourcing editing and and having you come on board. And, uh, and I remember she said, you know, how much is your like mental health worth? Right? Yeah. And that's such an it is interesting, like the money plus the mental health component of it, you know, I should have charged you more. I didn't know she was, you know, asking you those types of questions because you're because <laughs> your mental health is worth way more than you pay us every month. Trust me. <laughs> I'm gonna have to get on get Susan's number and talk to her about that. <laughs> That's so funny. No, but it's true, Melvin. We I mean we all do that. We just think, you know, you get to a point where you're like, this stress is not worth it. This sucking up every bit of your spare time is not worth it. And the people that love us see us struggling through it like a trooper. Mm but it's not worth it for them and the toll it takes on us and our relationship with them and our ability to be present in each other's lives. So that makes complete sense. Absolutely. I wanted to have you on because like I mentioned, you edit a bunch of podcasts. You are very much in the podcasting space. You have learned a ton of stuff with regard to monetizing a podcast. And so I thought we could just spend the remainder of our time sharing three strategies, three tips in order to monetize a podcast? Because I know that a lot of folks do struggle with this. Yeah. And I think I don't mean to stereotype anyone that would be in your audience, but much of your audience 
is very much like you and you come from a very a value proposition to this. You know, you're not coming to the podcasting space as a marketer or anything like that. And so with that being said, it adds another layer of feeling squeamish about monetizing, <laughs> you know, and I think for so many of us, we have had this evolution in our business. And I, I follow a lot of different, you know, leaders and thought leaders in the space and marketers. And about a year and a half ago, I kind of went on this journey myself because I realized that all the people that are like my competitors and people that are in sort of this podcast editing space are not at all focused on marketing. They're not at all focused on how to build sustainable revenue. In fact, most of me and my peers are not even focused on steady lead generation for our own businesses. And how can we lead other people if we're not doing that for ourselves, you know? So I dove in about a year and a half ago to really understand this monetization thing. And my goal was I wanted to see, well, partly it's selfish, right? Because if I have a podcast that's sustainable and revenue generating, they're going to be a customer like you who's going to be with me for five plus years and we're just going to keep growing together and that sort of thing. But I saw way too many people coming to the space, not planning on monetizing, not figuring it out, and then they pod fade. And that's not good for any of us, right? We don't want to be the next, you know, sort of bubble that bursts, whether it's like with blogging where everybody jumped in and now everybody jumps in with podcasting, but only 39% make it past episode seven or some, you know, ridiculous thing like that. So I have been with this monetization thing at the forefront of my mission and my, what I consider my moral obligation to my clients for about a year and a half and just learned as much as possible. So I would say for sure, one of the things that most podcasts start with is they start talking about their content. They start talking about their niche and all of that is great. But really, you have to engineer your podcast from the beginning for monetization. So you have to know, number one, your podcast is going to be your largest traffic source for anything that you're doing, whether it's your business, whether it's your side hustle that you're doing that you're driving the traffic to, it's going to be your largest traffic, organic traffic method. And so thinking about where you want to drive that traffic and what you ultimately will do for those people that will be an exchange of money for value, like figuring that out from the beginning of a podcast podcast is where I see a lot of podcasters make that mistake. They say it would be nice to monetize. Maybe I'll be able to get enough downloads to get sponsors. You know the journey there with sponsorships and even the podcasts that are fully sponsored, they're not paying you what you're worth as a podcaster for the influence you have over your audience. You know, and you know that and most most uh, people that are getting sponsors are probably using the CPM method and that sort of thing. So engineering your podcast for monetization and figuring out what traffic methods that you're going to implement, whether you're driving people to a Facebook group, whether you're driving people to a killer lead magnet, whether you're driving people to your website or maybe a membership site or whatever, figuring that out as you start allows you to engineer all your content to that. It allows you to choose your guests based on what's going to serve that audience the best. And it's just really kind of the only way to start. And I used to do the same thing with starting with just content and what microphone do I use and what niche am I going to be and who's my avatar and all of those things are great and they're necessary. 
but you have to engineer it for, for monetization from the beginning. So I, I think what I hear in that is it's a really smart idea to like think about, you know, gear and, you know, all of that content yeah. and all of that stuff. But what a lot of podcasters don't spend enough time emphasizing is how am I going to generate income through right. this podcast, right? The podcast is a vehicle that drives the traffic to the income source. It is. But a lot of folks don't, I guess, it's almost like they don't take the time to line up the podcast with whatever that income Right. If you know the destination, it's just like, you know, getting in a car and going on a trip. You know, you're going to want to fill up your gas tank. You're going to want to make sure your tires have air in them. You're going to want to make sure your car is, you know, sound enough to make the trip. But if you don't know the destination from the time you leave the driveway, you're going to, you're going to miss it. It might take you longer to get where you're going. It might take you into places that you didn't really intend on going before you get to that destination. And so knowing that destination, whether it's monetization through a membership website, whether it's monetization through your own programs or courses, or even, you know, many podcasters want to expand their speaking gigs and they want to be sort of an authority in their platform and whatever that means to you, being able to know that that's the destination you're shooting for for your first monetization will allow you to take steps along the way that will just slide you in there a whole lot sooner than anyone else who hasn't started that way. Yeah, it's such a good way to think about it. You said one of the things that you said earlier, which I wanted to pick up your brain on a little bit more. So you said you should gear the podcast toward, you should engineer it toward podcast monetization, right? And you have to figure out where to drive that traffic. So right. you gave some different options. Is there, I guess, sort of, if someone's listening and they're like, I can't decide between, <laughs> you know? Yeah. I want to do them all, right? Yeah, 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 <laughs> well, right. yeah. What is like the logical, like what's a logical first? Yeah. So I think, you know, the one thing about it is if you know, first of all, if you're looking at your podcast and let's just assume that your audience is looking at it as sort of an extension of their existing business in some way, shape or form, right? So we're going to assume that in these examples. But if you think about it, number one, you have to say, okay, what do I currently offer that I could, you know, that I'm, what am I currently selling, basically? Because you're, you know, if you're a therapist or you're a practitioner, you're selling your time, you're selling, you know, one-on-one. So if you want more of that, then you can gear your podcast to getting more clients. And now that everyone does tele-Zoom or telemedicine Zoom meetings and all this kind of stuff, we're positioned very nicely to be able to handle a lot of those things you used to do in person online. But as a therapist, you also might want to think about, do I really want to grow the one-on-one exchanging my time for money with clients, or do I want to do something that's more scalable? You know, do I want to do more of the one-to-many model? And then thinking about what you could potentially offer people. I use the old framework of the value ladder. For me and my podcast production company, my value ladder, the high ticket offer, the one that is the most expensive, requires the most amount of my time, is our full service production clients. But that means that unless somebody's ready to go on that journey with me as a full service production client, there's not much else I can offer them if I don't create some other things. So maybe I need to create a membership site or maybe I need to create a membership program where it's much more reasonable. Maybe it's $10 a month or $20 a month, or maybe I need to produce some courses that are 
you know, $200 one time versus what you pay for podcast production so that I can bring people in at all different price points to my, let's just call it a funnel that, that I'm building with my podcast and then ascend people from low to high and and that's what you want to think about if you're building a practice and your high ticket item maybe is maybe it's just like a, a very curated retreat program that you do you know once a year and it's five thousand dollars or something to do that that's your very high ticket offer but what could you do that would be lower than that that would bring more people in as buyers could you break off some of that content and put it in a you know, an online virtual summit or something like that where you charge. Could you do challenges for people if you're into weight loss or retraining, you know, habits or reprogramming people's situations, there might be a challenge that would be good where it's a five-day or 14-day or something challenge that you can get people to pay a certain amount to begin to come into your programs. And then you nurture those relationships and ascend them up to your higher ticket items if they're a good fit for it. I mean, if they're not a good fit, then you don't want to put people in that situation where you're wasting their time, your time and their money. But assuming that they're a good fit, that's what you kind of want to do. So figuring out in my experience, most people that have a podcast, the very first place they want to drive people to try to capture them or get in front of them on a regular basis is to a Facebook group. It's a very natural thing. Uh, granted, it's a little bit of work to keep up a Facebook group, but once you have them in your Facebook group, you can begin collecting their emails. You can begin asking them what they need and how you can serve them. And then all you have to do is create those products and programs in order to serve them based on what they've told you they need. So it becomes sort of easier whenever you have that captive audience of a Facebook group. And again, I think back in 2015, I didn't, honestly, like I feel like with STC, some parts of it, I just got very fortunate because so, even just being fully transparent. So I remember 2015, I was like, oh, it would be really good to have a Facebook group so we can continue these <laughs> conversations from the podcast, right? So, yep. I mean, this was like when Facebook groups were like just kind of getting started, right? Like weren't like super, super popular or anything. So it wasn't, I don't know, just being completely honest, it wasn't me at that beginning. <laughs> like, let me, <laughs> let me figure out how, you know, we can uh, grow this Facebook group. Let me drive traffic to it. Yeah. Although I did think in their initial sessions, I did like definitely like, you know, share, like come join us in the community. But now I think definitely looking back, you know, even just the other day, right? Like I can ask a simple question and get feedback on anything. Absolutely. Yes. And it's so valuable. And I will say this too. One of the things that I think we as podcasters and even, you know, podcasting communities like yours need to focus on is realizing that until somebody is, even if they're captive in your Facebook group, I have a friend who is in a completely different niche and she had built up a Facebook group of over 6,000 people and she woke up one morning and her Facebook group had just completely disappeared. And it took her more than three weeks to try to work with Facebook and get it back. And, you know, she lost a lot of time with some of the programs she was offering. So it's one of those things where if we, we could stop focusing on downloads and other vanity metrics like ratings and reviews and things like that that don't mean a thing and focus only 
on what will get people to opt into your email list. I know people, a lot of people say, oh, email marketing is dead. No, it's not dead. It's growing more than ever. And that is really the only way you can be sure that you can get in touch with people. Don't depend on Facebook's platform. Don't depend on, you know, any other, you know, we could wake up any morning and have our podcast delisted from iTunes or Apple, you know, for whatever crazy reason. You're building your your fortunes on somebody else's land whenever you do that. So focusing on getting the real metrics that are going to change your business, it's going to be email opt-ins, not downloads. So figuring out, you know, and, and by driving people to a Facebook group, you have the option to ask them questions before they join a Facebook group. And one of those questions can be, you know, where can I send this really cool, you know, resource that I have? What's the email address that I can send it to? And you can capture probably, I would say, 70 to 80% of your um, Facebook group members on your email list. So it's a great way to grow your email list that way. I know if I asked you this privately, but I, I figure people are listening and, and thinking this, but you know, with the Facebook group, right, you can ask like three questions like that. So is there an easier and automated way to do that? Yeah, so here's the issue with the three questions. Like you can see the answers to those questions as you're approving them. Yeah. Once you approve them, those answers are gone forever, Ever, right? Yeah. You never see them again. Yep. So I use a little plug-in and it's called group leads. Mm. And it's the Chrome plugin. And essentially, they're always innovating it. And I think there was a while ago, they had sort of like a lifetime. It's a premium plugin. So it was did cost a little bit of money. But essentially, that group leads plugin or, or extension can essentially capture all of those answers that people give me in a spreadsheet. And then it can also, it also integrates with my email list. So when they give me that, they're going to a specific email list. Through group leads as well, I can also automate, for example, every time I approve someone for the group, it has an automated personal message that I send them just inviting themselves to introduce themselves to the group. And then I can also create like a, maybe it's like at whatever frequency, a monthly post where I'm recognizing new members and group leads will allow me to auto, it'll auto tag everyone new I approve in that post. And so they'll see that post to say, Hey, welcome our new members. If I tagged you in this post, please feel free to introduce yourself. So it does take for just a little bit of automation. It takes a lot of the manual work of copying, pasting things into a spreadsheet and trying to remember to do that every time out of it. That's awesome. So we want to drive it to a Facebook group and ideally actually an email list, right? Yes. And at that point, I guess, what are some sort of, um, man, we have like flown through this time, by the way, but what are, um, I feel like every time we talk, this is usually... I know. It's like we could go for hours. Once you've done that, what are some of the other, like, I guess almost practical things, like even like examples, like you could say on a podcast or say on your show notes page, just to, just to drive some, uh, some of that traffic to more paid content? Yeah, it's one of those things where in my mind, there's there's not a lot of, I don't want to say room or space or maybe it's even grace with a podcast listener on a podcast sometimes to make the full pitch that you want for whatever thing that you're offering, whether it's a program or a membership or a course or whatever, which is re the reason why it's imperative to get people into your you know, email list. But one of the things that you want to do is 
clearly you don't want to have too many calls to action in your podcast. Make the calls to action in your podcast very purposeful and very consistent. So for me, it's always inside my Facebook group. And with that, I know if I can get them inside my Facebook group, I can potentially get their email, but I can also talk to them in, inside my Facebook group. So I always invite people to just come join us if they want to continue the conversation. If people don't want to continue the conversation, I don't really want them there anyway. You know, I'm not looking for people to come in and heckle every idea that we, you know, throw out there, or be rude to people, but I want them to be there if they want to be there. But I also feel like once you get them on your email list, there's a whole lot of strategy behind nurturing those relationships and continuing to provide value. And so, for example, when you go into someone's email list and you begin sort of, I don't want to say hacking other people as they do this, but looking and seeing what other people are doing to try to get ideas. But once you get on someone's email list, there should be, you should establish an autoresponder sequence. And I know a lot of people that might have MailChimp or some other, you know, very free tools, this might not be an, you know, a feature that's included because it is a higher level feature. But for example, if over the next two weeks that somebody joins your email list, maybe there's a set of five different emails that go out. And in those emails, you begin creating the nurture sequence and building the relationship and providing value so that by email number four in that sequence, you can actually pitch them something and you can actually pitch them a program. And there's a lot of psychology that goes into pitching somebody and, and how you can, not using any kind of, you know, brain control <laughs> techniques or anything like that, but how you can legitimately move people, you know, when you make an emotional pitch or a logical pitch or a pitch based on the fear of missing out on something. And so being able to continually do that and continually nurture people and continue to provide things. I think one of the things that I see a lot of podcasters do is like we want to monetize, but we don't want to necessarily have to spend time continuing to create a lot more content and programs. And so this is where it's it's a really good idea. If you have a deep archive of shows. Like Melvin, you're on, what are you on? Show number 200 and... I think this will be 248. 248. It's getting, it's getting close to 250. Mm -hmm. But you've got 250 shows that are packed with valuable content. And that content could be mined. And there could be, you know, probably I would say five or six ebooks could be pulled out of that. There might even be a course that is sitting there that could be pulled out with all of these different pieces in there already in audio. So you could hire somebody, and that's one of the things that we're moving towards is building funnel teams and content creation teams that could mine people's archives. You've already created the content once. Let's just pull it out, repackage it, put it together in a way that's logical, and now you have a course on this, that, or the other. And there's just so much that can already be done with what you're creating, and I want people to see the potential for that. And so don't think just because you've given it away in a free podcast and it's buried in your archive that you can never pull it out again and use it for something. Even if you pulled some of that stuff out and used it as a bonus or value add option for a particular offer that you're making, that's a great way to, to try to monetize as well. So, Yeah, no, it's so liberating for you to even say that because 
I mean, as you were saying that I felt my mind just kind of free up because I I even had that thought, right? Which is I've already yeah. given free content away on these podcasts and what do you mean I can repurpose it? Yeah. Well, and you know, you're already, let's just face it, when you do a weekly podcast, like and you're trying to run a business and everything else, like you don't have a lot of extra time to just go, oh, let me just create my free content, you know, more more free content or even more content. It's hard to do. So why not begin looking through and, and begin having an eye for when you create new content and with who you're strategically bringing on your podcast that you're sort of just laying out, ah, episode 248 is chapter one of the next thing I'm going to do or module one of the video course. Ah, episode 253 that's going to be module two and before you know it you've kind of earmarked these things and let's just face it Melvin if you've already got the audio recorded I can make a video of it I can basically create uh, slides and charts and graphs and images that can go right along with the audio and create that video course that would lead people where they want to you know to the outcomes that they want. So it's kind of really amazing when you think about it and you don't have to completely reinvent the wheel just to pull out some of these extra little, maybe lower ticket items that you don't really want to take the time to create initially, originally, you know, new content every time. Right. And tying it back to that autoresponder idea, right? So just the fact that this is all running in the background, right? Yeah, and it takes a little while to set these kind of things up, but once you have them up, my goal with any podcast that I start is to have it making money within the first 90 days, and I feel like once a quarter, you should be able to set up a brand new evergreen funnel that's got the nurture sequence, and it's got the upsells in it, and it's just on autopilot. If every podcaster did that, let's just say if you did that, every quarter since you began your show, you would have over 20 funnels right now evergreen on autopilot that you can drive traffic to anytime and they're constantly making money for you. That's the kind of thing you want most of the time rather than saying, could I sell another hour of my time and get a client to pay for it? Yeah. Because when you create it once and put it in place and put it, you know, in these types of automation, you don't have to keep revisiting it until maybe once every year or so, whenever you get a little bit of a fatigue with the way the numbers are converting, you might shake things up or pull an offer back or something, but it's the work is already done. Yeah, no, absolutely. Christy, I feel like our time flew by. I feel like we'll probably <laughs> talk about another <laughs> two hours on this. And seriously, guys, for those of you guys who are listening, Christy and I have had multiple hours of conversations on yes. podcast monetization. You're definitely like one of the people that I really trust when it comes to monetizing my podcast. And I really am just so grateful, one, for you and just grateful for our time and just giving us different ideas of even to think about it. You know, even that concept you mentioned earlier of the value ladder, like I think if you really understand that concept and how and employ a, a value ladder to yeah. your practice or your business, I mean, just how things would really change for you. Yeah. And plus, you're attracting more of your ideal customers as they climb the value ladder. So who doesn't want 90% of their working time spent with their ideal customers versus sometimes what we end up where 80% of our time is spent with people that are not our ideal customers sometimes. <laughs> so, yep. so it's yeah, it's an awesome thing. And I, I appreciate you 
being a, you know, a, just a tried and true advocate for Team Podcast and a great customer. And, you know, I know that you have come along on your business journey, making this podcast such a foundational piece of where you're going with the online stuff. And it just, you know, it makes us so happy to be able to point to clients like you to say, this is what some of our clients are doing. We've just played a small role because all we do is, you know, do all the tactical things for your podcast. But at the same time, to see your success is what we live for. So we're so excited to see it. No, thank you for saying that. I, I really, uh, I mean, and back at you, like, I, <laughs> I don't think, you know, these podcast episodes would not go out at all. <laughs> like, we try. You know, without you, so. <laughs> You've got a lot of stuff going on, including a brand new Facebook group yes. um, focused on podcast monetization. Would you mind sharing us with us just more information? Yeah, absolutely. Sure. I started a, it's actually, I have a podcast and it's called Podcast Monetization Secrets. And I have been doing it about once a week, but I'm getting ready to do a kind of a sprint where I produce a lot more content. So you'll be seeing more of those. So it's available everywhere you listen to podcasts. And then along with that, I did create the Podcast Monetization Secrets Facebook group. And we have a lot of people in there that are working on monetizing their podcast and they're working on growing their email lists and they're working on testing offers and testing headlines. And so, you know, this whole monetization thing covers a lot of different skill sets, whether it's copywriting or sales techniques, or even then you get a little bit into the technical thing of how do I run a Facebook ad and is Facebook ad better than Google ads and what am I doing for what and how do I, you know, set this all up? So all of that are things that we cover in Podcast Monetization Secrets because it takes it all to make it happen. So if you feel like you, you know, have a value proposition and you really want to learn a way where you can monetize your podcast through your own products, services, courses, and your own, you know, sort of intellectual property versus just going out and getting sponsors, it's kind of probably where you want to be listening right now because we don't really promote getting sponsors because it seems so out of reach for most people. It's like, you know, how many kids make it to the NBA? Well, it's about the same number of podcasters that actually make it to fully monetizing through sponsors. And so we would rather you have more control of that and actually be able to make more money by doing your own thing. So Podcast Monetization Secrets Podcast and the group on Facebook. And then you can always come see me at teampodcast.com, which is where we do all the podcast production stuff. Sounds good. Christy, thank you again for this time. Thank you so much, Melvin. I appreciate you having me. Have a great rest of your day. You do the same. Bye. Bye. Hey, friends, hope you enjoyed my conversation with Christy. And especially if you have a podcast or you are thinking about doing a podcast, I hope that today's podcast session has just been giving you some new ideas with regard to monetization. I think this is one of the biggest lessons that I've learned and that I share with helpers and healers that are in the health gestures community is before you buy all of your gear, all of your tech stuff, definitely think about how your podcast is going to make income. And Christy said it so beautifully, which is, you know, if your podcast is generating income, you're much more likely to keep it going. And then if it gets definitely to a point where it's it's generating a significant amount of income, you can do some really cool stuff like build out different products and services and all of those different things. 
Christy mentioned her podcast and her Facebook group. I definitely encourage you to check those out as well. And if you also end up going using Christy for your podcast editing services, if you could go through sellingthecouch.com forward slash podcast editing, sellingthecouch.com forward slash podcast editing. That's an affiliate link for Team Podcast. And uh, that I just use some of that income in order to continue to support the growth of this podcast and make it super awesome. You know, I was reflecting on this conversation with Christian, and a couple of things stood out. One is we didn't get dive super deep into this, but one of them is the importance of a value letter. So basically seeing your business and the people that are coming into your business and seeing that there are low tier, mid tier, high tier, and ultra high tier prices and offerings that you can provide. And if you really track your podcast and really your business, based on that value ladder, it really changes how you approach your business. Uh, the value ladder is actually something Christy introduced to me probably, I think, last sometime last year. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. And never thought of it in this way. So I encourage you to definitely do a Google search on value ladder, comma, business, and you'll get some great articles. I also did a Selling the Couch STC online income stream, a live stream on the value ladder a few weeks ago, which you can find over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash live stream replay. And we went really deep into it. And I had a bunch of graphics and a bunch of stuff like that. The other thing that really stood out to me is the importance of planning your monetization strategy before you start your podcast. So really, practically, I think the thing I took away from this is if you're listening, write down every product and service that you offer. Think about any potential product and service that you have down the line and start to really, if that's sort of the end destination, right, is that we're driving podcast traffic to those things. Think about the ways that you're going to get there in order to do that. Christy mentioned a number of resources. Again, you can find that over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash session and the number 248. I wanted to invite you to download the free online course guide if you are thinking about launching an online course and just want some things that have been helpful uh, for me and some of the tough lessons that I learned along the way. You can again download that over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash online course guide. And as I mentioned right at the beginning, we're actually starting a live cohort called Online Core School. This is a great opportunity to join with other therapists to validate and launch and record your online course. The best way to find out about this and to keep updated when the cohort launches is to download, again, the online course guide over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash online course guide. Have a great rest of your day. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Selling the Couch podcast. For more great content and to stay up to date, visit www.sellingthecouch.com. Hey friends, hope you enjoyed today's podcast session. And if you are in a season where you've been thinking long and hard about launching an online course, just wanted to invite you to our brand new workshop titled Behind the Scenes of a Small Launch to a $300,000 Online Course. You can sign up over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash online course workshop. We try to do a really good job with this workshop. We updated a whole bunch of new material and some of the things that you'll learn in this workshop are the five key steps to take your course from an idea to generating income, 
some of my top gear and software recommendations in order to launch your online course and the top three mistakes that I made with my Healthcasters podcasting course, which I launched back in 2015 and have been fortunate to have over 272 students in that course. Again, you can sign up over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash online course workshop. So if you've been listening to the STC podcast for a while, or you've been listening to podcasts and you've had this thought of, Mel, I would love to launch my own podcast in order to grow my business. Just wanted to encourage you to check out our free podcasting workshop, which is over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash podcasting workshop. You can basically sign up at a day and a time that works for you. It's 90 minutes. And when I do these workshops or when I record them, I truly believe in the quality teaching, so it's going to be well worth your time. We're going to go through gear recommendations and how to launch strategically and how to think about monetizing your podcast and how to line up your podcast with your existing offers and how to do it strategically and authentically uh, and not salesy and slimy um, and all of those things. So again, the link is over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash podcasting workshop.